Before we get into today's episode, we want to know, are you ready for fantasy football? The 2021 NFL season is just a few weeks away, and with fantasy leagues preparing for their drafts, make sure you're up to date on who to draft, who not to draft, and more with fantasy-focused football. ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide daily strategy, previews, and injury reports. That's fantasy-focused football wherever you get your podcast. Also, speaking of fantasy football, for ESPN Plus subscribers, join an ESPN Plus Fantasy Football League now for a chance to win $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older, no purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. What's up, guys? It's Daniel Cormier. Welcome to part two of this week's DC and RC. With all the success of a championship, or with all the success of superstardom, as we've seen in Conor McGregor, there are times where you start to kind of deal with the mental side of everything. This is where this whole thing started yeah. with us discussing Conor. Yeah. It was after the Poirier fight. The mental toll that athletes are under, as individual athletes, as, as team athletes, it's so immense and insane. I mean, you look at what Simone Biles went through at the Olympics just very recently. Yes. You look at what Naomi Osaka mm-hmm. had to go through as she was preparing for her tournament. She was at the French Open, I believe, um, where she had to pull out because she could not deal with the pressure of people over the top of them. And now we talk about mixed martial arts and we talk about fight sports. Paige Van Zant is a young lady yeah. that deals with pressure. That is unheard of. She told her husband, and this was me saying, why did she run out the ring when it was clear that she lost? She goes, I walked out of the ring. I just went and I cried in the parking lot by myself. I said some things to my husband that are pretty terrible about like my mental state. She goes on to say that she told him that she didn't want to live anymore, that this wasn't for her anymore. Like life, not sport, wasn't for her anymore. So she was disappointed. She said that it was so Hard losing that fight to Rachel Rachel Ostevich in bare knuckle. This is crazy, RC. And she also talked a little bit about how it feels like everybody just wants her to lose. They want her to lose for what? Paige Van Zandt is not a bad person. She's a great young lady. Why does she feel that Mm -hmm. pressure going into the ring to fight, but also when she steps out of the ring? So I ask you, as a person that was on a team, did you feel that same type of pressure as you walked out with 11 other guys on the football field? You know, um, I, I, I can't say that I did. I think the one thing we always had, D.C., was one another. You know, I knew that Ike Taylor or Troy mm. Palomalu or James Harrison, I knew they had a job to do in order to allow us to do our job as a team. And so... You hear it so often, and it's such a cliche in team sport. We win as a team, we lose as a team. Now, obviously, you internalize those things by your play. If I go out and we play extremely well, and I play well, and I make plays, and it's interceptions, and it's forced fumbles, and it's touchdowns or sacks or a ton of tackles, and we win, yes, of course everybody's happy. But you can have that same type of game and lose, and now you don't feel that joy. You don't feel that individual joy of, you know what, I did Mm -hmm. my part. Because now, you know, if you lost, somebody else in that locker room didn't do their job as well as they wanted to. 
but I still don't think it's the toll of the individuality of a loss for fighters. Because to think about it, you, you've never heard of fighter, DC. And I thought about this as I was getting prepared for the show. I hear you guys after you win fights and you think your coaches and you think you, you think your training partners and you talk about the camps that you've come from. And before guys even start answering questions, they say, let me give my shout outs. Let me give my thanks. You know what I've never heard? I've never heard a guy after a loss go, you know what? My coach sucks. My coach didn't prepare me for mm. this or my team didn't have me ready. And you know why that is? Because when you guys win, you think about the team. You think about everybody that's prepared you for that moment. But when you lose, it's a lonely moment. It's an individual moment. You can only think about the mistakes you made in the octagon, the adjustments that you did make. And you posted a picture this week, man, and I ended up reposting it just because it touched me in a different way. Because here I am thinking about DC after a loss, Joe Rogan in his face, everybody talking to him. But when you are mourning that loss, it's you and your children. Did you feel like the weight of the mm -hmm. world or just that loss was that difficult and so hard to deal with, man? Because you're by yourself, DC. Was each loss something that you carried with you beyond that moment? You know, when you go back there right after a loss, um, it's you and the people that matter the most, right? Your family. And you said that you don't, you thank your team for winning, but those losses are on you because you know the sacrifice that those coaches put into getting you prepared. It's on you to go and implement right. those things that you've trained for so long. But then you watch this photo, it's me after losing to Miocic, and you have this sense of letting people down when you're leaving the octagon. You're looking for your family, you're looking for your coaches, you're looking for everyone. But then in that moment, you forget. Now, that was the first time my kids ever saw me lose. They started watching me fight as it got towards the end. But then I saw the strength mm -hmm. of children, right? I saw the strength of Marquita and Daniel. Daniel's crying because he saw his dad, his hero, get beat, right? But he's also trying to comfort right. me with his hand on my back. My daughter's crying, but she's hugging me, trying to uplift me as your dad. It's okay, dad, right? But it's not just them. It's everybody. But my children, I saw in those moments... That my boy's trying to hide the tears because he wants to make me feel better. So when I think of that, right. I only think about what a person like Paige is going through, right? Like I go back, I mm -hmm. recall to that after that tweet, and I go, man, I know what she's feeling. And when she starts to talk mm -hmm. about life isn't for her anymore, it's time for us to let off, right? Because we're talking about a young lady that's just trying to fight as a right. career. And there are her wins and her husband's about to fight for the Bell of the Tour championship of the world. So as he's riding this wave of immense success, he's got his wife, his everything, not having that same level of success with a bigger name and people trying to really step on right. her as she doesn't succeed. So guys, as fans, you got to remember, man, these athletes are going through much more than you are allowed yeah. to see, right? And I was glad that I was able to give mm -hmm. a little bit of an insight into what we go through with losses. But they are out there to be judged, man. Respect these athletes for all they're giving you. And lay off of Paige Van Zandt because she's only trying to do what's best yeah. for her and her family. There's no reason for people to just be rooting against her. It's crazy. DC, you know what? You know what's crazy? And 
I remember Ronda Rousey after after her losses and her mm. kind of coming out later and saying, you know, the, the dark place that she was in and the things that she would, was dealing with, some of the, the internal thoughts that she had to fight through. And then you look at someone like Paige as well. Both of these fighters actually transcended their sport. They became stars outside of what they actually did to make a living. And so it almost felt like they were bigger than the actual match, than the actual opponent. And it makes me think about regular season games as opposed to playoff games. You know, I always knew in week three, if we were 2-0 and going into the week, we end up 2-1 and coming out of the week that we played the game the next week. And coaches always talk about win the quarter. And so in that quarter, in those four games, you wanted to be three and one. I could always look forward to the next game and say, you know what? We have an opportunity to make this right next week. I have seven days to sit on this loss, Mm -hmm. do what's right to correct it. You know, one of my favorite shows growing up was Quantum Leap. I don't know if you watch Quantum Leap, but Sam Beckett would go back into the past. (laughs) and He said he was going to put right what once went wrong. That's what we had opportunities to do. But DC, when you're fighting and you don't know when the next fight is going to be or if you're even going to have the next fight or you listen to so many of these fighters talk about, you know what, I was fighting for my contract. I knew I could be cut. Think about Brandon Moreno, a guy that had been cut. So every fight has a different level of intensity. I was just now talking to Ike Taylor and Troy Palomalu on my podcast and we laughed about it but i remember getting on the elevator and these two dudes who were two of my football idols at the time two of my best friends are hugged up crying on the elevator and what made it crazy was they would never get out on the floor dc they would just they were just hugging and crying not picking their head up because that was finality That was it. There was no next week. Mm -hmm. There was no next opportunity. And so when you get to the Super Bowl, there's also a feeling of, will we ever be back? And we were a great team at that point. And that was our last opportunity. And so for you, DC, and I know I guess it's hard for you to answer because we kind of talked about all of the opportunities you had for title fights. I know for me, there was a difference Mm -hmm. in a regular season game and a game that ended the season. Was it different for you? When you lose to Stipe the first time or you lose to John early on in your career, then it was that last and final fight where you knew there was no return. Mm. I think, Ryan, you got to like truly look at things for what they are. Right. And I see a lot of fighters when they lose, they rush back to the locker room. I'm telling you, there's some time you get to spend in the locker room when you lose a fight. Before these athletes leave that locker room, they are already on Instagram tweeting about it didn't go my way. Well, that's because they're rushing to feel better. They want to feel better. They want all Mm -hmm. those people that support them to say, it's okay, champ, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Not me. I always mourned them. I would go to my house and I would sit in the room and I would literally put my life on hold until it was time to come out and start to prepare for the next thing. But that was my way of coping to ensure that it didn't happen again. But I will be completely transparent Mm -hmm. with you. That picture that you saw me lose to Stipe Miocic in fight two after being ahead three rounds to zero. Um, the pictures of me crying in Cain Velasquez's arms when I lost to John Jones back in 2015 it was much different than the last fight. Because okay. when you're 42 years okay. old, right, or 41 years old, and it's very difficult to train, 
And you spoke a little bit about this the other day. You fall back on your reality, right? I figured I could mm-hmm. beat Stipe Miocic because I thought I was better. But the reality is with my inability to train, with the COVID restrictions and all the stuff that we went through, I got cut in the middle. Camp. I, I didn't deserve to win that fight. The right man won the fight right. on that night. So in the coping process, I was able to get over it a little bit sooner. So I think these athletes mm-hmm. are really telling us they don't believe that they should be winning these fights when they rush to feel better. That is just my perception of it because I know when I didn't deserve to beat Miocic in the last fight. And if I would have won that fight, things would have been wrong. I didn't deserve to win. I didn't get to train the way that I needed to train to beat a guy like Stipe. He deserved to win. So I think when the world sets things right, you see athletes run back to the locker room to feel better because they know within themselves that they should not be getting their hand raised. You know, it was the crazy thing, DC, listening to you talk about the inability to train or the adverse effects COVID had on your training camp. It brings me back to what I tell the athletes I train at DB Precision or the reason I worked the way I did, the reason I trained as hard as I did, the reason I watched all the film that I watched was I wanted to feel like I deserved to win every week. I wanted to feel like every Mm -hmm. single time I went out on the field, I deserved to play a great game. And what that said to me was if Randy Moss catches a touchdown on me or Calvin Johnson catches the touchdown on me or Adrian Peterson puts a move on me and I don't tackle him, that let me know that that dude just beat me on that play. That on this play, this dude was just Mm -hmm. better. That on this play, he left the hospital with more than me. What I couldn't live with was feeling unprepared, feeling like I didn't do the things that Mm -hmm. it took to help my team win or to help me succeed. Because in football, that's truly the individual loss, DC. I I think that's the, Mm -hmm. that's the difference in, in the, in in the sports for you. When the, the judges, when when the judges make the call, when they tally up the numbers round for round, that tells you when you Mm -hmm. lost, I can sit in the room with my guys. I can look at coach Dick LeBeau and say, you know what, coach, I gave y'all everything I had. I didn't quit on y'all. I was there that day. That Sunday, the other dude was just better. And I think for team sports, mm-hmm. that's always the issue. If you can't look at the people sitting next to you in those meetings, bro, and say, you know what, dog, I was in I was in the trenches with you, right? On Monday night at 3 a.m., I was getting needles in my neck to make sure I could play. On Tuesday morning, I was in here at 5 o'clock in the cold tubs, and I was straight to the video, straight to the film, so I could be prepared for Wednesday morning's meeting, knowing what we had. If you could do all those things, you were okay. But it was when you didn't that you felt like a failure. That was when I had to come home and hug my kids. That was when I needed consolation because I understood that I had failed me and I had failed my guys. I feel like for, for UFC fighters and MMA fighters, you always feel like that failure when you don't get your hand raised and the the mental toll and emotional toll that that takes on you guys, I couldn't imagine. Well, every single time I fought was was a Super Bowl, right? Every time I fought for a championship, it was my Super Bowl, right? And when you're dealing with that type of pressure, because we're out there in front of 18,000, 15,000, 17,000, 20,000. I've never had to fight unless it was in those main events. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was a ton of pressure there. But the one thing that you don't want, right, especially in a team sport, and this is why, Ryan, when it was time for us to make our decisions when we were leaving high school, 
I didn't have the best grades, right? So I would have had to go and do things in junior college. But I really didn't want to rely on anyone else. That's why I wrestled. That's why I didn't go play football. Uh, I wanted to just be able to count on myself. Because what does it feel like when you're sticking needles into yourself, but your teammates over there high-fiving this guy is because he had that great game. So it's like it's not everybody is of the same mind frame. Because, Ryan, Mm -hmm. every time people laughed at me when I cried, when Jones beat me in Anaheim, or I cried when Stipe got me, or I cried after my last fight. Those tears are earned. Those tears are earned. Yeah. You don't get to cry Straight for up. nothing. Yep. Those tears are earned through hard mm-hmm. work. It's because I put so much of myself into everything that those tears are earned. So when you see athletes like Paige, or you see Naomi Osaka say, I, I just can't do this. It's so much bigger because so much goes into preparing yourself for an actual competition, for something at the professional level. There's a reason that it's called professional. That 50-second guy on that NFL roster will smash anybody that you've ever seen and called a great football player. That guy that's number 12 on the bench on the basketball team, he is the best basketball player you have ever laid eyes on in your life. There's a reason Mm -hmm. these athletes are professionals. And there's a reason that these people that go inside the octagon, man, women, man, woman, whoever goes into there are professional fighters because they are different. And when they are different and they cry in front of you to be judged for the world, they have put so much work and those tears are earned in that work. So when you see people just rushing to the back saying it's okay, it's because they know deep within themselves they don't deserve, they have not earned the ability to cry over the loss. I think what you just said, though, was 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 so profound in in this aspect, DC. So many times people see great athletes through their achievements and through their accomplishments and through what those achievements and accomplishments gain them. Right. The, The fact that you get fame, the fact that you make money and through that money and through that success, you get more opportunity. People don't understand that for Daniel Cormier, this started wrestling in Lafayette. And when he started doing that, it was as pure as it could possibly be. People don't don't understand that when I lose Super Bowl 45, that the love for that game and the journey to that point started when I was four years old on the West Bank playing at Melot Park in Gretna. And all of those things come to a culmination and you've worked so hard and you put your all into that. And when you lose it, it should matter that much. I think that's what people miss. And when someone like Paige Van Zandt comes out and says what she's dealing with, we shouldn't we shouldn't joke about it. We shouldn't laugh about it. What we should do is listen. You should listen and learn that this is the type of dedication This is the type of discipline. This is the type of focus that it takes to be an elite level athlete. But it's also the type of toll that it puts on your body, your mind and your soul. And I think now more than ever, we're seeing athletes discuss these things, be vulnerable about these things, yet still come back and fight, still come back and compete, still come back and play. And that's where we are in 2021. And I hope athletes continue to speak up. I hope people like you who have done it at the highest level, who now watch it, analyze it, dissect it at the highest level, continue to support those going through the same things that you were going through because there are so many lessons to be learned. I think that the vulnerability that athletes show today is welcoming. 
because for a long time, you know that Michael Jordan and, and Charles Barkley and Larry Bird, those guys were unattainable. We could never touch them. We could never touch Barry Sanders. We could never get an insight into who yeah. Barry Sanders was. I think when these athletes are open like that and they're 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 so available, we need to use it mm-hmm. for the right thing and accept it in the way that they're giving it to you because they're not nearly as guarded as they were before. Now, when a guy like LeBron James walks from a concert and somebody rushes up on him and he pushes him away, people want to judge him negatively, but the reality is he's guarded right. because he has to be, right? But now mm-hmm. when people are open, when they are vulnerable, you judge them as weak. So you got to really choose what lane you want these people you hold in such high regard to really be in. Otherwise, you could never really have access to them. Now, Ryan, this hey, this conversation has been insane. Like, I love that we were able to get into the mental it's aspect good, of, of your profession and my profession. But the reality mm-hmm. is uh, the UFC was off last weekend. There were no fights, which is very rare in today's climate. Right. The UFC's back this weekend with a middleweight banger between Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gaslam. Now, both of these guys have been to the top of the division. Gaslam mm-hmm. fought Israel Asanya in what is in classic, an instant classic. The day we left classic. Atlanta, we left the arena, we knew that this one was going to stand the test of time. Um, Cannoneer just got his chance in the number one contenders fight against Rob Whitaker. Both are coming off losses. Yeah. The stakes are massive. How excited are you to see these two top middleweights compete inside the UFC Apex? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you, DC, I'm fired up because this is a fight with two men who saw themselves at the top of the sport with an opportunity to get belts. And now they're fighting to prove that they deserve that opportunity again. You mentioned the Gastelum Israel Adesanya fight. That was an absolute war. And going into the fifth round, Israel Adesanya is talking to himself, bro. He's talking to himself saying, you know what? I'm ready to die for this. Like, you can't beat me because I will die. Think, think about that mindset and not the mindset of saying it. I don't want you to think about the mindset of saying it. Think about being Kevin Gastelum, who has now watched Israel Adesanya go on to beat Romero and, and Costa and, and, and really show that at his weight class, there is no one for him. Think about the fact that he stood across from Israel Adesanya while he was on his rise and gave him the toughest fight other than Jan beating him when Israel moved up to 205. And now if you're Jared Cannonier, you're thinking to yourself, I just lose to Robert Whitaker. I had an opportunity in the number one contenders fight to show that this is where I go, that this is the next step for me. And you're getting a guy who knows how to bang. You're getting a guy who gives you an opportunity to show that you're back, to show that you're recovered from injury. And this is a fight that both of these men need to win. I think if you're Kevin, if you're Gastelum, you need to win this fight just to show that you belong in the top tier of your weight class. But if you're Jared Cannonier, you can win this fight and show that, you know what, maybe I get one more fight and I'm next up for a title, especially mm-hmm. when you have a champion that's running through people the way that the champ is. And you know what, for Cannonier, and I'll be calling this fight on Saturday, so I got to be very careful with my analysis, but for Cannonier... <laughs> It's very important for him to win in the sense that he can put himself right back in title contention because yes. Adesanya called him soul brother Jared, right? He was looking forward to fighting Jared. If Jared Cannonier can do mm-hmm. something so impressive, it may immediately just put him right back on the champion's radar because the champ has not been so gung-ho about fighting Robert Whitaker for a second time. Here's what also plays into this fight. 
Gaslam needs to show that he still can compete, that he's still relevant at the top yes. of the division. But not only yep. are these two fighting, next week Derek Brunson is fighting against Darren Till. So it's like you have a bit of a middleweight mm -hmm. logjam between four very high-level competitors fighting very recent when the champion and Robert Whitaker are both kind of waiting for their rematch. Massive stakes in this fight this weekend. Big stakes for Gaslam because he has to show that he still belongs. But also for Jared Cannonier, man, it really does shorten the path to a championship fight against Israel Adesanya. Yeah. You know what's crazy? We, we get an opportunity to talk about the champ. And I think the champ, Israel Adesanya, is one of the more entertaining fighters inside the octagon, but also some of his antics maybe outside and in are great. Like maybe the greatest taunting ever was after he knocked out Paulo, <laughs> after he knocked out Paulo Costa, Costa, and you know, he gave him, let's just say it sounded, it looked like two live crew was playing in the arena at that time, right? And so now this happens, and you know what though, DC? If Israel Adesanya does this in the NFL, he's going to get a taunting penalty, bro. Matter of fact, he does that. They may throw him out of the game because right now they're throwing flags for anything. You can't even oh, look at a guy's man. face or look in a guy's face, throw the deuce, or have a good time. But you had a pretty classic rant, DC, about how you felt about the NFL <laughs> and these new rules. I mean, let me tell you something. RC, I was watching one of the preseason games the other day. Kid gets a great run, right, with the help of the lineman, which I don't the understand yep. how yep. in the world that's not cheating. I don't know how that's not cheating, where the lineman gets behind the running back and keeps pushing him towards wherever he's wanting to go, and then the guy gets like an extra seven it's yards. The rules, bro. Dude gets up excited. Dude gets up excited like, let's yeah, go. fired up. And I don't know what he said to the guy, but then he's fired up as he should be, and then the referee runs over and throws a flag. What is happening? What is going on in the NFL? One of the best parts of watching football <laughs> for me growing up was the celebrations. Some were, some were classically bad, right? The icky shuffle was not the greatest. When the guy, I don't know who the guy was, he would run fast, and then he would kind of just bump his knees together as he celebrated when he was in the end zone. Classically bad. They're never going to be good. There will never be an explanation of that being a good celebration. But it was fun. <laughs> When Deion Sanders would be about to score a touchdown and he would put his hand behind his head and high step the prime time, that was fun. Yeah. Football's fun. Yep. What are you doing, NFL? There is not a time, right? You can't get rid of this taunting rule fast enough. The league's getting too involved in what's happening on the field. Let these dudes have fun and get rid of that stupid replay rule that extends a basketball game <laughs> 40 times the time that's left on the clock. DC, DC, you don't get to DC, you don't get to you don't get to detail all the rules out of every sport, bro. But I will say this about the taunting rule. It is oh. high quality hot garbage. It is hot garbage. It is trash. It is reheated. <laughs> Absolutely stink. The 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 fun in football is the fact that everybody worked to get to this moment and guess what? In this moment I was better than you. And if I feel like telling you that, you have two options. Either you can accept it or the next time out, you can make sure that I'm not better. And that's what I loved about the game. I would love when somebody would get a, make a play or a receiver would get a first down, a running back would get a first down, and he'd stunt like he scored a touchdown. You know why, DC? Because he hadn't. 
So you done, you've done all that. You done done all this dancing. You showboating on the field. But guess what? You got to get the ball again. And when you get the ball again, I get a chance to put you to sleep. That's what the game was about to me. There's a classic line that I yes. love, and it was Deion Sanders that so said it. Good. Deion Sanders said, if you don't want to see him dance, then keep him out of your paint. And that's how I feel. You don't want people that's to taunt you. You don't want people to celebrate. Then don't let them do good things. And I feel that. I'm with you, DC. They can't get rid of this rule soon enough because I enjoyed watching Antoine Winfield stand over Tyreek Hill and give him the deuces like this after what Tyreek Hill did him and did them in the first quarter during the regular season. He earned that. The same way you say you earned those tears, he earned that opportunity to taunt. And the fact that the NFL is trying to take it away, it already stands for not for dang long. And now they for sure stand for no fun league. <laughs> I'm going to play they soccer really with Khabib or something, They are really messing up with man. this rule. And, dude, and go play soccer with Habib. I mean, can Habib miss? It's like Habib's batting a 1,000. Whatever he does, it just kind of knocks it out of the park. He'll go out and be Ronaldo, right? The money just chases Habib right. if he goes and plays soccer. Yeah, they're, they're, they're tripping. They're really tripping with the rule. But the reality is football's back. I can't wait. I'm watching hard knocks. Jerry Jones is putting salt on the McGriddle. I mean, hey, the world's going crazy right now. <laughs> Who put salt on McGriddle? Makes us excited. Who put salt on the McGriddle? Jerry Jones does. All right, Jerry Jones does. Football's back. We got fights this weekend. It is a great time to be alive, man. Um, Ryan, great show. Love the mental talk. I think yes, that a lot of yes, people can gain from that. And how excited are you, though? Like, this has been fun, right? This is getting better and better and better. Hey, getting better and better every week, my guy. Hey. My man, thank you so much for your preparation. RC, thank you so much for your preparation, my man. Really getting in, course, in man, tune with what we got going on. I know, I know that you are about to get ready for football, so you're not going to be rolling around in the dirt with me anymore. You're going to be with Greedy <laughs> and on first take and – Doing all this other stuff. Nah, so hey. I get it. I get it. I'm about to get big league soon, but it's okay. DC, DC, the one thing I can tell you, none of those shows have my initials in them, bro. This is always going to be at the top of my list. It's always going to be important. Two boot boys, and we're going to keep doing it big. My boy, Ryan Clark. This is me, Daniel Cormier. That's Ryan Clark. Thank you guys for joining us. See you next week. Peace. <laughs> 